Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Miller, and I'm delighted that you're here. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about communicating stress and communicating emotion. This week in my mindful wellness course, we're having dialogue around this very idea. What you do when you're feeling an emotion strongly or when you're feeling emotionally overwhelmed. How can you kind of create space in that moment for you to step back, process what's going on, and then state a need clearly. So this is a skill that a lot of us are not taught, right? It's not something that we have a lot of experience with. And frequently, we don't have anyone who's kind of modeling the skill in order to help us pick up experiential learning around it. And so it can be helpful to kind of go through some different scenarios and understand the ways that emotions, especially when we're overwhelmed, can look. So I'm going to share a story about a time when I was under serious emotional stress, and I'm going to help you kind of see what that looked like in my life, and then what some of the things were that I used to develop the tools to understand and process the emotion, and then develop the words to communicate the emotion. So about, man, it's been probably 13 years ago, my husband and I were sitting in the office of our reproductive endocrinologist. For those of you who aren't familiar, it's a fertility doctor frequently specializing in in vitro or other assisted reproductive technology. So we're sitting in the office. I had just undergone like a battery of tests and it did feel like a battery. Um, And it was already an emotional time in my life, in our marriage. There was just a lot, a lot to process during um, those first years of infertility for us. And so as we moved through the day and the different stages of the appointment, I had been getting increasingly more stressed, Um, not only from like a physical standpoint, because my body was undergoing so much, but from an emotional standpoint, because at each juncture you get information, you know, oftentimes informative in nature, but when you're the person sitting there in the stirrups, it feels a little bit more vulnerable, right? And so I was trying to just like do my best to take in what I was being told and to take the information and just be okay no matter what was coming my way. But that was a tall order, especially at a time when I was already under duress. And so when we sat in the reproductive endocrinologist's office at the end of the day, after all the testing, I just broke down. He started talking to us and I just burst into tears. I was sitting there on the couch in his office. There was a little coffee table in front of us with a box of tissues. So obviously I wasn't the first person to, you know, struggle, (laughs) struggle through some strong emotions in his office, but I just, I lost it. I couldn't like catch my breath and it just took me a minute to just articulate what was going on for me and, and what I was feeling. And it's never easy to get the news that you need to do in vitro, right? That's, it's news that it's, it's already kind of a challenging one to shoulder. But in this instance, after just the years of other tests we've been doing and the struggle we'd had, you know, in our marriage as a result of of this burden of infertility, I just was at my wits end. And he saw that immediately. And he said something that it really did change my life. Um, 
And it was something that needed to be said at the time, but it was still hard to hear. He said, Mrs. Miller, I'm going to need you to have your emotional credit card at zero. He said, I'm about to max it out. If you go, you know, if you guys decide to go through with this procedure, I'm about to max out your emotional credit card. And I can already tell you're running a pretty high balance on it. It's understandable. You've been through a lot. This is a lot. But I'm going to need you to, you know, develop some tools to get to a place where you can take on more because right now it just seems like you're at your limit. And it was like adding insult to injury, right? Not only was my body in a place of extreme vulnerability, but now my emotions were getting called into question as well and my ability to manage those. And so because it tends to be, um, infertility tends to be a process that it is really personal and you do take things pretty, pretty deep. I had a hard time, you know, <clears throat> reconciling myself to the fact that there was another layer of support that I was going to need beyond just what he could offer me in terms of the assisted reproductive technology. So towards the end of the appointment, after he'd gone through the various options for treatment, and for us, those options were pretty, you know, it was a pretty short list we needed to do in vitro. And uh, he'd gone through it. He handed me a business card of a woman who was a psychologist and said, Mrs. Miller, I recommend that you talk to this, this woman so that she can help you just work through this. She's helped a lot of people like you and, you know, she has some tools that she can give you that will enable you to make it through this procedure, you know, with, with some emotional integrity and resilience. And so I took the card, you know, I'd been wiping my tears for most of the appointment. I took the card and we wandered back to the car. And as I continued to let everything settle, I realized that my emotional state had gone from one of deep overwhelm and kind of helplessness into a place of empowerment. When he acknowledged what I was feeling and handed me the card, it gave me permission and space to realize that I needed some help, that I was struggling under burdens that were more than I had the skills to manage, and that that was okay. It's totally normal to go through a really hard time go through a situation or experience you've never gone through before and need help. It's actually a really normal thing. But at the time I had such um, an independent view, right? I needed, I needed to be able to just manage it and seem like I was managing it. And there have been a lot of things I've learned in the intervening years that I would love to tell that sweet little 27 year old sitting in that office. But one of the things that I, wish I had known at the time was that that sense of relief would only grow the more that I learned and the more that I was able to process my emotions and learn to communicate them. So the first point is that often the first step in just acknowledging that we could use some help and some support is a big step to take. And whether that looks like you getting counseling, whether that looks like you reading a book, whether that looks like you taking a class, whatever it is, just the acknowledgement that you need a few more tools in your tool belt is really helpful. And it, it just does give you a sense of relief. Like, oh, I can ask for support here and that's okay. So availing ourselves of that first step is really important. 
And then once we've done that, we're going to probably become aware of some different patterns we have around emotion. And I'm just going to share a few today, although there are myriad, right? There are a ton of different ways that we can process emotion in a way that doesn't help us to communicate it effectively and skillfully. So the first one was beach ball. And this is what my psychologist, when I got brave enough to make the call and then land in her office talk to me about. She said, Lindsay, you know what it seems like is that you're trying to hold everything together. You're trying to make it look easy to deal with infertility. You're trying to make it look like this isn't causing you any trouble in your marriage. You're trying to make it look like no big deal. I can do this. And really it's costing you a whole lot to do that. This is a hard thing you're going through. And if you don't acknowledge the grief in your situation, it's going to be like a beach ball for you. It's going to be like you're trying to hold this beach ball underwater and it's going to pop up in the ways that you least expect it. Kind of like you sitting in the reproductive endocrinologist's office and sobbing uncontrollably because you like it finally just, you know, popped up above the surface and flew out of the water. (laughs) She said there are much more effective ways to deal with emotion, especially grief than trying to shove it down and pretend it's not there. And she said, ultimately, it's going to make its presence known, just like that beach ball. Eventually, we're not going to be able to hold it underwater forever, right? It's going to come up. And so she taught me the first thing that I needed to do personally was to not try to shove my emotions below the surface, but let them be a part of my experience. And if I was going to do that, I was going to have to learn to communicate them. Because when you beach ball your emotions, you don't really have to communicate them because you just say, you're fine. You're great. Everything's happy. Like, you're happy. I'm good. I'm good. Everything's great. It's going to be fine. Uh, You don't really practice talking to people about how you feel when you're doing beach ball emotions. (laughs) So, So the first order of business for me was to acknowledge the emotion for my own self and kind of start to get familiar about what it was, what it felt like, how I was experiencing it. And that was a process that took kind of a while for me because it wasn't one that I was accustomed to. And once I did that, the next stage that I hit in my own emotional development was to kind of do splatter paint emotions, which was now that I knew like what I was working with, I would kind of just start to fling them out in different places. (laughs) And I would just like allow the emotion to become a Jackson Pollock painting where, you know, there's like these dots all over and then these like squiggly lines and just the paint is kind of flying on the canvas at a a seemingly random rate and way. And so once I, once I got familiar with emotions, it it was a little bit of a learning curve in order for me to, to not be like flinging them around and like make them someone else's problem. Or so my husband, like I'm feeling this and it's your fault because this, or, um, you know, if someone, a friend of mine did something that bothered me to, you know, lay the blame on them and then not take, you know, responsibility for my, my part of it, but just kind of fling, fling whatever I was feeling in their direction and then expect it to like stick on the canvas. It's definitely a way to navigate emotional communication. I'm pretty sure it's not the most skillful or effective way (laughs) based on personal experience. So that I think though is an important thing to realize as you're learning to communicate emotion is that there's probably going to be a bit of a process to it and it might look a little bit clunky at times. And I mean, I think Jackson Pollock painted some beautiful things, don't get me wrong. But 
in terms of emotional awareness and emotional intelligence, I think the recognition that you're going to get it wrong and that it's going to look a little bit awkward is important. Like we need to recognize and acknowledge that and not expect perfection of ourselves as we engage with the process of communicating emotion. So going from holding the emotions under the surface like a beach ball to then splattering them around kind of random and haphazardly at at anyone who was near me, then I kind of managed to get to a point where I could be a little bit more discerning about the emotion itself, the energy behind it, and what I could do with that energy. And this is something that mindfulness has really helped me to, to refine my ability to do. But using um, the emotion and then creating like a funnel for the energy. So acknowledging what you're feeling, trying to get a kind of get a handle on where it came from or what prompted it, and then using whatever awareness you come to in that space to take action. And that doesn't always mean that it's going to be an extremely calm uh, or mellow conversation, right? Like there are times where more assertive words are needed or stronger or more firm words are needed. So it's not necessarily about taking the emotion out of your voice or out of the interaction as much as it is using the energy behind the emotion to create an outcome or a connection that's the thing you actually desire. Because once we get more familiar with emotion and we can sit with it and we can process it on a different level, then we become more attuned to like the underpinning parts of it. Like why, why we feel that way, what, what's being triggered in us and what our need is as a result of what we're experiencing. And when we can get to that point where we're mindfully exploring the emotion, that's when it becomes just a source of strength for us. Because we can identify the action that we need to take as a result of the emotion. And we're not just like grappling with the emotion itself. And again, it's a process and it takes a while to get to the point where we can live that way consistently. But I think it's the difference between just kind of being at the mercy of our emotions and using our emotions to inform our intentional living. So one of the ways that... um, that that looks right now in our life. This is another little story that I'll share is sometimes, you know, during COVID we've had days where we've had more stress in our house than others. And my daughter tends to be especially attuned to the stress levels of her parents. And I think all kids have like a, an eye for it, but in our house and perhaps because she's an only child and also just perhaps because we're under in a time when there's a lot of stress kind of as a culture weighing on all of us, she's especially attuned to when we're stressed out and she tends to take that personally. So she tends to think it's something that she's done wrong, you know, why we're stressed And so lately, we've been having a conversation around this part of our interaction. So initially, when she would say, you know, she would get worried or she would come to me and say, like, did I do something? I would feel a stress response internally because I would get like anxious, like, oh, my gosh, now I need to be more mellow because it's stressing her out. I would get um, frustrated sometimes, like, please stop asking me if you did something wrong because you didn't. I just am having a hard day like this is a lot. Um, and so I was having this range of emotions around it and ultimately it took some coaching. I had to get some coaching around it in order to, to approach it with more skill. But ultimately, ultimately I realized that what I needed to do 
was expressed to her beforehand, like if I knew it was a stressful day coming up or if I was starting to feel tension in our house kind of grow for whatever reason, that I could kind of give her a heads up, a warning. Like in our house, we describe it as keeping your boat a little bit offshore. So when I communicate, it's kind of like a lighthouse. And I am saying like, my shore is a little rocky right now. You know, steer steer a little clear of the shore. And so she knows to keep her little boat a little further out from the shore in order to keep like her emotions in a place where she can manage them and she's not taking on the stress that I'm feeling. And so in that way, I can funnel that emotion, right? Like I was feeling a sense of frustration, anxiety. I was feeling, you know, just guilt around it. Um, And I was feeling a little bit helpless. Like I can't manage the stress level of COVID-19 and all the ways that that has impacted our household. Um, But I know I can communicate with my kid. And so there was a disconnect in there because I, I knew that there was a way I could funnel that emotion more skillfully and effectively, but I didn't know what that looked like. So as I approached one of my mentors and coaches, I just explained the situation and she helped me to develop a way to communicate through it. And to use that emotion I was feeling, that strong sense of frustration or anxiety or anger or, you know, just guilt. And instead of just feeling that and getting frustrated around feeling it or making it someone else's fault, I could use the energy from it to create a connection in our relationship that deepened it and helped us to grow together and communicate with more depth. So now it's something we'll talk about regularly if I'm feeling kind of stressed, she'll, she'll ask if she needs to keep her boat a little bit farther from shore. And I'll say probably would be a good idea today. <laughs> so one of the ways that we, yeah, that's just one example of the ways that we can funnel. But one of the ways that we can utilize this idea of channeling or funneling the emotion is in our relationships with ourselves also. So in addition to the way we communicate with our family, we can communicate differently with ourselves. So instead of creating a burden around any emotions that we're feeling, the first thing we can do is to communicate to ourselves that it's okay. We're probably really normal and there's going to be a way to communicate this effectively, right? Whatever it is, whatever the need is that we're kind of feeling triggered by or whatever the um, like the emotional state that we're in, whatever that is, it's okay. So that internal communication is first. And then the external communication, if we can, if we can go from, maybe we start at splatter paint, which is okay. We're all probably going to be there at some point, but if we can go from splatter paint to kind of funneling and making the emotion something that has energy behind it, and that can be used productively and skillfully to create connection instead of to divide, then it's it's all the more useful, right? And then this process of emotional awareness and emotional communication can become more fun because you just get creative about how the emotion can inform your path forward in a way that, you know, is in accordance with your values. So if I use splatter paint emotion and I just get frustrated and start flinging it around at everyone, that's not getting me where I want to go in terms of my relationships, right? I'm looking for strong and resilient relationships, And so if I can use the funnel to develop the communication that is necessary in strong and resilient relationships, that's going to help me be in a much more productive place relationally and personally, right, than than if I'm splatter painting. So while splatter paint may be a part of your journey, it doesn't necessarily have to be the end of the journey. So one of the things I want to cover before we close is just what 
that feeling of emotional overwhelm might be triggering. And while it can be triggering a lot of different, or it could be triggered by a lot of different things, there are two that I just want to talk through real quick. The idea that we need some space and time to work through what we're feeling, that's the first thing. So sometimes we feel like we need to be an emotional ace and know exactly what we're feeling at any given time. And A, that takes a ton of work, energy, and practice. And I, for one, can attest to that. (laughs) So it's not an appropriate expectation for you to just like know what you're feeling at any given moment and be able to like just say a response or work through, you know, work through a conflict without having time to kind of digest and process. And so if you're feeling emotionally overwhelmed and really triggered and your tendency is to kind of want to lash out or splatter that emotion elsewhere, one of the things you can do is just take some time to process it. And again, it's not not about beach ball, shoving it down, making it go away. It's more about just funneling it, right? Funneling it to the place where it's, it needs to go. A lot of times as parents, we can like have a really long or frustrating day and end up taking that frustration out on our kids. And while that's a really normal thing and it happens a lot, it's not usually our kids that are frustrating us as much as it is like a bunch of other things. And our kids are the most vulnerable thing there. And we have the ability to to take out stress on them for a better, for for lack of a better way of explaining it. And that's a really challenging thing, right? To come to an awareness of. So if you realize that you're doing that and that you're taking your emotion out and it's splatter painting everywhere on everyone else, that's just an invitation to be gentle and patient with yourself. Realize that a lot of, a, a lot of people do that and that it's something that, um, can work through in order to create this funnel where you can acknowledge the emotion and then have a productive conversation around the needs around it. But again, the time that it takes to kind of sort through all of that is sometimes a little bit lengthy. So if you're in the middle of an interaction and you feel like you're about to splatter pain emotion everywhere, you take a deep breath, you ask for what you need, right? Which is time to process. Some of my favorite phrases around that are, I'm not sure what I need right now, but I'll get back to you when I figure it out. I'm feeling some strong emotions right now, and I need a minute to process what's going on. I appreciate your offer to help. I'm not sure what it is I need, but when I figure it out, you'll be the first to know. (laughs) Or, that was a challenging situation for me to be in, and I'm going to need some time to sort out what to do next. So those are all conversations around time. And again, to go from beach ball or splatter paint to funnel, you probably are going to need some time. And then the other thing that an emotional like outburst can, can signal is that you have a need that's being unmet. Harriet Lerner has some really fantastic books, one of which is The Dance of Anger. And she talks about how anger, especially anger repeatedly experienced, is a sign that you need to to rebalance something, that something's a little bit out of whack and you need to speak up for yourself. And again, I'm a strong advocate of not doing so in a rash, abrupt, or really reactive way, but if using the tools that you have or seeking support to, to understand what it is that you need and then asking for the thing that you need. So sometimes this can be challenging, especially for moms, because we tend to take the role of um, caregiver or provider. You know, we do it as aunts, as grandparents, as women in general. We 
we're we're busy putting our own needs on the back burner for other people. And I've mentioned before on the podcast, so I think that's such a beautiful gift that women can give um, families and society, but it's not a modus operandi, right? Like we can't live that way all the time. And so as we get better at articulating our needs, we might find that we have less reactivity emotionally. We're not doing as much emotional splatter painting as we are emotional funneling. Because when we can get clear on the needs, we can start to articulate them, right? But if the need behind the emotion is still a little fuzzy for us, it's going to be hard to articulate. And again, that's where time can come in handy. But one of the things that you can start to utilize is this methodology that, again, I had to come on to very intentionally because I was really good at splatter painting and making my emotions everyone else's fault. Is this idea that I feel this, I need this. Or what would be really helpful is if you would this, you know, fill in the blank. Um, One of the ways that we can kind of just begin on the path of communicating needs is to start simple like those phrases where we're not asking for the moon and we're not going into a deep dialogue about how we're feeling or what we're thinking or how we're processing life we're just stating like a simple thing so even if it's I need a minute I need some quiet time to myself I need to take a break I need to have a few minutes of quiet can you please support me in that? I know one of the um, one of our listeners and one of the girls in my class, like a you know clear conversation with her husband. I need I need one hour, one night a week to practice and learn on my own, and I need your support. Um, it, it can be household related. You know, it can have to do with actions. It can have to do with emotional. Um, emotional needs, but just even the practice of saying I need can be powerful because so often we can get to a point where again with the beach ball, we're just like submerging any of those needs that tend to pop up. And as humans, it's really normal to need stuff. As moms, it's really normal to need stuff like you're really allowed. And so giving yourself the space to articulate those needs can be really helpful. And I know I've already talked about family meetings on the podcast. That's one of the places where you can get used to articulating a need is if you have like a regular family powwow at some point, creating the space so that everyone, including the mom, can say what they need that week, what kind of support they're looking for that week. I have a really long week. It would really help me if you could each, you know, do your own laundry or Make sure you fold your laundry as soon as it's done. Get it out of the washing machine and the dryer quickly because everybody needs a turn or whatever it looks like for you. If you could do things the first time I ask this week, I would really appreciate it because I have a lot of commitments this week. Just any simple thing that kind of includes you in the conversation and allows your emotions to be present. And the cool thing is, is that once you start communicating with like the funnel method, the emotions themselves come Uh, come out or are expressed to your people much less reactively and so generally you get a better response around them so if you are accustomed to kind of flinging emotion everywhere and then you start funneling it you're probably going to find your people are a lot more cooperative because they're not getting triggered when you're you know like sending emotion out you're using it in a constructive and productive way 
and you're asking for what you need. And it's so much easier when you're on the other end of that emotional communication to respond if there's a direct need expressed and requested than it is if it's just like emotion flying around. Because you you don't really know, the other person doesn't always know what to do with emotion when it's just flying around. Um, Like when you look at the Jackson Pollock painting, I mean, I can be like, wow, there's a lot of pretty colors on there. That's beautiful. But sometimes I'm just like not even sure what to do with it or what he intended. And that could be more of a reflection on me than on Jackson Pollock. But the point is that when you look at it through the lens of this funnel and this communication, you create an atmosphere where the people around you can offer you support with much more ease than they can if you're just kind of shoving down what you think, feel, or need, or letting it spray around everywhere. So here's to spending some time this week getting to know what you're feeling, learning to articulate it, and then letting that articulation be something that builds relationships and resilience. Until next time. 